you got your Bibles, I hope you do. If not, turn. you can listen as I read from God's Word, and I think we'll have it up in Psalm, Psalm chapter 34, and verse 1. Psalm 34 and verse 1. David, where David is writing, where he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul, verse 2, makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Father, we pray now that as we draw our attention toward your word, that this would be a time in which we find you, we gain you, we encounter you. Speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Christians, one of the encouraging things about this whole season, any holiday, season for that matter, is the fact that we don't have to wait for times like this, um, like these, whether we're talking about Christmas or New Year's, or we don't even need to wait for New Year's to have resolutions with God. We don't even need to wait for Thanksgiving to begin to find reason to give thanks. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything, In every circumstance, give thanks to God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In how much? In everything. In every circumstance, Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks to God. That's, that's, That's the Christian. Because we have a hope unlike what is in the world. We have a hope unlike who we may have been and what we may have not had before we came to Christ. If you're a child of God today, you know this. If you belong to Christ today, you know something of this. And that's what David is writing to. I I need you to know a little bit of, of the background to this particular psalm. And that is that David is not in the best season of of his life. In fact, if there was any time in my life or in your life, where it would almost be excusable to not give thanks to God, it would be like the season that David himself is in right now. He's on the run. He's not in the palace chilling. People aren't at his his beck and call. He's not being served. He's not in a state or or a time in which there's shalom, peace, where he has no one to to fear or to worry about rising up either from within, internally, among the ranks, or from without, among the neighboring nations. He's on the run. He can't trust his own son, who wants his life, so that he can have his seat. He can't trust even his own, what was, his counselor and advisor, who's now on the pursuit of him. And so David is at a point in his life where he has to ask all over again, can God be found? Is it worth serving God? Is it worth looking to God? Is it worth praising God and honoring God even in a situation like this? Maybe you're in a case. Maybe there's not somebody running after you. You may not be in the pursuit, but when you look at your life 
And when you look at what things are going on, you put it up against other seasons that you know you've been in, you realize this ain't one of them. David's there. David's there. And you probably would think, now how would somebody like that want to open up a psalm? If, if, if I was led by the Holy Spirit to have to write inspired scripture to encourage not only my own heart, but all of God's people who are going to have to read from God's word all throughout time, what would I say? How would I start? David says here, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. You know what gets God the glory? I believe what gives God the glory, I believe what communicates something genuine and authentic about the faith and about Christianity is when the world sees Christians living for God, not just because of what's in his hand, but just simply because of who he is. Didn't we just sing that? It's not about his blessings. We just want you. And David was at a point where in this season of his life, that claim, that statement is being put to the test. Now, David, do you just want me? Or do you want to be saved from this situation? Do you just want me? Or do you want me to spare your neck from being put on the block? Do you just want me? Or do you want just some, some peace? Things that come from my hand, but not necessarily me. And I think one of the biggest steps that we could take in our Christian life, in our journey, even if we're new believers here today, if any of us are new believers, it's this, is to have a relationship with God not based purely upon what's in his hand, but upon who primarily he is. That's what David's communicating. Part of what it means to glorify God, to bless God, to honor God with my life is to make sure that my relation with him is not, oh, I'm good with God as long as that man comes when I want him to come. As long as I get a wife when I want her, when I want her to come. As long as I get the job that I want to have. As long as my, my pay bracket enters into the pay scale that I want. See, there's so many strings attached a lot of times to our relationship with God. And the only problem is we're never guaranteed our seasons. Yes, our seasons may change. But guess what? God is the God of the seasons, no matter what seasons they may be in. David got that. David found that. And as soon as he found that, he found the key, he found the secret, if you will, of what it takes to be able to thank God, thanksgiving, bless God, praise God, no matter what times he may find himself in. I remember meditating upon this, and I'm thinking, man, I've really got a lot of learning to do in this area. I don't know about you, but it's just so much easier, isn't it, to bless God when, when things look like, like that, like we all expect. But how can God or anybody expect me to start thinking of him and relating to him when, when I got all this going on in my life? David says, I was, I was there at one time, but it took passing through. Sometimes you don't learn things in a book. You got to pass through some seasons where that faith of yours, where that reason why you came to God in the first place has a chance to be put to the test. 
Jesus says in John 15, I'm the true vine. Right? And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he does what? He takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do? He prunes it back so that it might bear more fruit. You see, these seasons of our life as children of God are seasons in which we don't say to ourselves, oh, God doesn't exist. No, these are seasons in which I get a chance to know that I can see God existing and God present and God alive and well, even in times like this. If I got a faith where God only works and he only seems real when it's the kind of thing that makes sense even to a non-Christian, that's not the kind of faith that God is trying to produce in my life. God wants me to see him no matter what. God wants to be found no matter where. That's why David in Psalm 23 recounts God's presence not only among the green pastures, but also in the valley of the shadow of death. He's not the God of just the green pastures. Everybody gets that? Of course. Of course. Of course you're a Christian. Of course you're religious. Look at what your life looks like. But what happens when you got to pass through a valley of the shadow of death? Is he still real? Can you still bless him? What happens if you got a table that needs to be set, but it's in the presence of your enemies? You still ready for him? <laughs> you still inclined to see him and to bless him? And David says, look, I've had to learn to find God, not in children's Sunday school. I've had to learn to find God in the world. That's where God wants. Christianity is, is Christianity that works not just on a Sunday hour, but on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, on campus, on a Friday evening. There are a lot of people who think for Christianity to work, I've, I've got to be in this ideal state. And God says, no, I'm God. I want to be found no matter where you are, no matter what time of the week it is. After all, He's God. David says here, that's why I bless the Lord, because he can be found at no matter what time in your life. There's so many people you and I look at and see and observe and pray for. There's so many encounters perhaps you and I have had with people that mean well and that we love and that we're, we're, we're hoping the best for in our circles and in, in this city. And we're wondering, when are they ever going to come around to Christ? And it's amazing to me how I'll hear one type of story after another. You, you, you run into somebody at the grocery store. You'll, you'll be out in town, and you'll, you'll run into somebody after a while, and you'll find out that they're still not connected. Like, you still at that church? You guys still going? Are you still Christian? Are you still into that God thing? Man, I, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that. I, I really need to. Man, my mom has really been getting on my case, or my spouse has really been getting on me, or, or my children I found one time. But you know what? If you only knew what's going on in my life, once I, once I sort these things out, then I'll come. So there's this idea, if you will, that I can't, I can't bless God. I can't, I can't be in a relationship with God because look at my life. I mean, it wouldn't make sense for me to go to church when everything is looking like this right now. I got I to gotta get all this stuff squared away, and then I'll come around to church. You see, that's, that's not wisdom that comes down from above. That ain't God leading. 
That's me speaking to myself. That's me counseling me. But when God counsels us, he says, no, 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 no. You can find me no matter what. Are you broken? Come to church. Are you in need? Come to church. Do you feel like I don't exist? Come to church. You got a lot of questions? Come to church. You feel like abandoning me? Come to church. You feel let down? Come to church. Come to where God's word is. Come to where you can get fed. Come to where food is. Come to where you can connect with God. Come to where you can find people who are on a common journey as you are. And it's amazing how the enemy will work on one person after another and say, you don't want to go there, not with what's going on in your life. You don't want to start getting right. You don't want to get your life together. Not with this, not now, not with all that's happened. You got to first take care of that. And that's, that's not gospel. That's the problem. That's not gospel. That's why we go to God. That's why we need God. And David was someone who said, look, at one point in time, in theory, I would hope to like to believe that I would have blessed God without all of this happening. But I'm afraid. I'm not too sure I have the answer to that. But I'll tell you this. Now that I've passed through some stuff and I've found myself by God's grace, able to bless God, I know that I know that God is good. There are some things you're just not going to learn in theory, church. You're going to have to pass through some seasons in order for God to make your faith formidable, in order for God to do what he wants to do in your life. Don't disregard it. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't treat lightly, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. For whom the Lord chastens or disciplines, he what? He loves. He loves. It's because he loves you that he's working in your life. It's not because he's absent. It's not because he's gone. It's not because he doesn't exist. He's right there. He's never left. The Bible says that we're in his hand, and he'll not allow anything to pluck us out of his hand. That's our God. That's our God. That's the hope. That's the promise that we have in the scriptures. And David is finding this on an experiential level, on a personal level, on a real level, where it really counts. He's in a situation where he can take his faith in God in any direction and just make shipwreck of it. But he said, you know what? I found God even here, even now. And you know what? You can find God even where you're at right now. Maybe nobody else is aware of it, but God is, and that's all that matters. But are you looking to him? Paul, Paul is amazing. He never ceases to amaze me. This is Paul right here who, who found himself, and we've seen it in Philippians, haven't we? We've seen how Paul himself has been out of prison and in prison. He's been in one challenge after another. And in chapter 4, what does he say? He said, I've learned the secret. I've learned a thing or two, not through seminary, not through Bible college, but through life, through tests, through my faith being challenged. And what is it? That I can do all things through Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. But what can he do? I can do seasons. I can do seasons through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. I could do all times through Christ who strengthens me. You see, when we're not rightly connecting to God, when we're, when we're not surrendered to God, 
Our, our faith and our Christianity only works when everything is going as we plan. But as soon as things aren't, aren't going as we plan, poof, there it goes. It's over. It's curtains. Why? Because we're not drawing from the strength that only Jesus can supply. And what Jesus is saying, look, let me in. Let me supply you with the strength you need. Let me provide you with my presence. Let me provide you with my truth. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Hear my voice. Follow me, is what Jesus says. And when you do, you can find yourself in any season you want that you, you could imagine. You don't have to fear any longer. There's so many Christians who, who are living in perpetual fear. If I'm, if I'm ever in this circumstance, if, if I ever find in myself in this situation and they can't let God work. God wants to work. And Paul said, look, I used to keep God to these kinds of situations and I saw him. But God says, nope, I want you to find me and I want you to see me even when you're in these kind of seasons. You see, there, there are two challenges that exist between being abounding and being abased, is what Paul says. He says, I, I've learned the secret of being abased and finding God and I've learned the secret of abounding and finding God. What's the temptation for being in abundance? It's to forget God, right? Read Deuteronomy 8. We don't have time for it, but look at Deuteronomy 8. What did God say to the children of Israel? He said, look, I'm about to lead you into this promised land. It's going to be real good. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm about to bless your socks off. Get ready, but I need you to keep this in mind. Don't forget me. Don't forget me when I do. Why would he say that? Because that's the temptation. When we got it good, that pocketbook is packed and, and, and all your resources are met and all your needs and some are there, it's kind of hard to think about the Lord unless you're stewarding it for the right reasons. And God says, look, when I bless you, don't forget me. Don't think... My hand got me here. My wits, my brain, my intellect, my wisdom, my skills, my abilities, my personality, my warmth got me to where I'm at in my life. Not God. He says, day you do that, you're in trouble. And Paul says, look, I've learned the secret of being in abundance. And what was that secret? To make sure that in all of the blessings that have come to me, in no way do they ever at all come close, remotely close to the God who gave them. If I can't know the difference between blessings that come from his hand and the one that they came from, I've got a problem. And Paul said, look, that's what kept me together. Paul's been in a season of, of being on the receiving end. And he said, look, what's the challenge there? Curse God. To take that fist and just say, how could he? I give my life to God and then I get this? I become a Christian when you got all these people out there living it up, doing all sorts of foul stuff. And here I am, and this is what I get dealt for serving God? Boy, it feels good to just want to. That's the temptation. That's the temptation. And Paul says, look, there's no safe place. The only safe place is Jesus. There are a lot of people who are like, I just like to stay poor. I know some people. I've met them. Right? I just want to stay poor. I just want to stay on the receiving end. Why? Because I just feel like I'll be a Christian the longer I could stay in that end. Because I'll avoid temptation. No, you won't. 
there, there's temptations customized for that season. There's te- temptations customized for every season of your life. The solution is to always keep your eyes on God, to never lose sight of the one who gave everything for you. There, there are some who are like, look, if I could just get rich, if I could just make it, if I could just have all the resources, then I'll never have to worry and my faith will never be rocked. It's like, no, it won't. I could show you plenty of people who, who got it made in this world's terms, but you don't want their life. You, you wouldn't want their life if you saw the whole picture. I know it looks right. It looks like it makes sense, but you're not looking far enough. What does Jesus say? You only can do any one of these seasons through me who strengthens you. It's through Christ who strengthens you. David is at a point in his life where he was able to do the palace and the kingdom as king with all the peace through Christ who strengthened him, through his God who strengthened him. And he's able to be on the run, and he's able to have all sorts of people turning their back on him, not because he likes it, not because it's something good in and of itself, get that, but through his God who strengthens him. Where are you at today? As we're approaching this season, you know, gratitude is something that's absent in our culture. That's not, what, that's not what garners traffic to websites or to social media feeds. It's negativity, unfortunately. It's gossip. It's, it's, the, it's the opposite of gratitude. For some reason, that just manages to sell better. People are drawn misery loves company. But God says, no, his people should be about gratitude. In everything, in every circumstance, give thanks to God. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, his people, not the world. I don't need to wait for prime time, prime season in my life to begin to bless God in these ways. I could find him no matter where I may be. Job found that. Job was somebody who who found himself on, on both spectrums of his own life with his family. This man was blessed. He was blessed with how many children he had. He was blessed with his wealth. He was blessed with the land. He was blessed with his reputation as he was known among the world of his day. And all of that in a night was taken from him, except for his wife. And she looks at this situation, and she says, wait a second. I could see why God was worthy of being blessed when we had all that, honey. What did David say? I will bless the Lord at how many times? Sometimes? All times. That's not what she was saying. I, I, I could see how, Joseph, uh, how, how you, you, you led us to church and we were worshiping God and we were praising him and, and blessing him. At that time, it made sense. You see, that's, when we, that's how we get in trouble. It made sense to bless God, to be thankful to God, to worship God when my life was looking like this. My problem is, I just don't see how it makes any sense now that our life looks like this. My opinion, ask me, Job, honey, curse God, and what? And die. Curse God and die. And he looks at her, and what does he say? Shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord? 
and not bad? In other words, wait a second, honey, here. Is that where we're at now? Is that what we learned? Is that what we've been taught in church? Is that what we've talked to each other about? That, that's how we do this now? We base our relationship on God on whether we receive good or bad? Shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord and not bad? And then he backs up and he says, blessed be the name of the Lord who gives and who takes away. Somebody say at all times. At all what? At all times. Who gives and who takes away. At all times. At all times. Wow. I want what what Job had. Job knew something about God that I need to know. That's what that tells me. God had a spot in Job's life that I need to have. God had a place in Job's heart that enabled him to handle not just the seasons that make sense, but also the seasons that don't quite make sense. That's what I need. You see, here Job is in this situation where you would think even Satan himself was thinking, of course, anybody will bless you. You bless him like that, just take this and that, touch that, and I'll show you exactly what kind of God you have. Talking to me about, have you considered my servant Job? How there's no one like him. I'll show you what he's like. Just touch her, touch him, touch that that's close to him, and I'll show you what they're really about. I'm wondering, if the enemy were allowed to touch an area of my life, I'm not sure. But I want to be able to thank God at no matter what time he is because he's worthy of it. He's worthy to be blessed. You see, until and unless God looks like this to you, God is this for you, you and I don't know him the way he wants us to know him. You see, the Bible tells us that's why he sent Jesus. The reason why he sent Jesus was so that he can show us how far he's prepared to go to be able to demonstrate his love toward us. The reason that we have thanks is because of what God has already done, not because of what we still are waiting for him to do. Romans 8.32 said, He, the Father, who spared not his own Son, but freely gave him up for his all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? He will, is what Paul is saying. Paul right there is arguing from the greater to the latter. If he gave us his son on the cross, what makes you think he won't be there for you all throughout your lifetime now that you belong to him? That's what you have. You don't need to wait, still wait for God to to begin to move in your life. He already has through Christ and through the gospel. He's given us a hope that no one can take away from us. He's forgiven your sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. You and I have a life that's eternal. He's he's my father now. He's no longer just merely creator God. I'm I'm his child. We're adopted sons and daughters. We've been brought into the household of faith. Jesus went ahead and he sent his Holy Spirit. If you're a child of God, it's in you today. He's given you a purpose that you could have never had on your own. He's given us life. He's the bread from heaven. The Holy Spirit is that comforter that always remains with us. Jesus is the good shepherd who, who leads and who knows his sheep. 
Oh, he's blessed us. Oh, he has done far more than he ever needed to because he's good. He's good. So this season of Thanksgiving, I want us to be thankful. Maybe this time of the year is a painful year for some of you because of the loss of loved ones or certain painful events that surround holidays. I don't know. It happens. And for many people, every time a year, a time of the year like this comes around, it's not like for other people who just look forward to just decking out the house and and having all sorts of food and people over. For them, it's like, I can't wait for this time of the year to pass and I could just move on because it just hurts to see all these people enjoying, enjoying themselves. But me... I've got to be reminded all over again. I want you to know that God sees you, that God knows what you're going through. And this time of the year does not have to look like what the world says it has to look like for you to find value out of what it should be about. Because if you belong to God, you can bless God at all times. Thanksgiving for you is an all-year, everyday deal because the one who made it so is in you, is in you today. I just want your hearts encouraged as we're going in. Be a blessing to somebody else. Let's not make this time of the year simply about us, but let's also make it about how can I serve others? How can my gratitude to God spill over and bless and benefit somebody else? found it a little difficult at this time of the year to to find that gratitude in their life. Don't underestimate God using you. He's present. That's why you belong to him. Be a faithful messenger. Be a faithful vessel. David is ministering to my heart right now. I'm grateful that he found God because it shows me what God is capable of doing even in my own life. I'm glad that I see here David not just finding God at the times that make sense, but at all times. Why? Because it proves to me that I don't need to be in an ideal season to find God. I don't need to be in the kind of season where the world says, of course you can bless God if your life looks like that. It doesn't matter where I am in my life, God's worthy of my praise. God's worthy of being blessed. God's done far enough and more and some to get all the praise that he deserves. That's that's where we're at. Amen? Let's stand together if we could. God, we come before you. Father, we want to be honest with ourselves and with you. And if we're at a time and at at a place in our hearts And in our minds where, if the truth be told, blessing and praising and expressing gratitude has been the furthest thing from our mind. We've just been seething in bitterness, holding grudges, thankless, wondering why everybody else's life is looking that way. I pray right now for that spirit, Lord God, that's been hovering over your children. I pray, Lord God, that you bind it that you give your children the power to resist it and not entertain it or give it a place in their life. 
God, I ask for freedom to come to your people, for that cloud to lift, for joy to return, for your peace to settle, and for thanksgiving and gladness return to each and every person's heart. Because it's the joy of the Lord that's going to be this church's strength. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Holding a grudge is not our strength. Seething in bitterness is not our strength. Allowing ourselves to wallow in jealousy and envy and self-pity is not going to be bring any sort of strength to our lives. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I pray right now, Lord God, that your people find freedom in Jesus' name. May they find freedom right now in Jesus' name. May they discover, may they discover here, even now, in this place, the hope that's found in Christ. Lord God, enough is enough. Whatever may have been so concerning their previous days and weeks, may that all come to a shrieking halt right here and right now. And may from this time forward, God, you said, forget the former things. Behold, I'm making all things new. I pray for a beginning of beginnings. God, I ask that you restore the years that the locusts have eaten. You said that you'll return to them gladness and joy and singing. It's been a while for some, Lord God, and I'm asking right now for that, for that burden, that, that cloud, that weight. That's what it is. It's a weight to lift from off of them in Jesus' name. Do this, Lord, we're asking. I'm praying for a real encounter on your part to take place for your people to discover once again for themselves what David found with you no matter where they may be nobody needs to wait any longer you don't need to wait for that man to come into the picture you don't need to wait for her to say yes you don't need to wait for that job to call you back and say we want you you don't need to be, wait for to be called into that office for that promotion you don't need to wait to 